0: This podcast is a presentation of Nagshead Church, reaching people to discover life in Christ. Stay tuned and visit us on the internet at nagsheadchurch.org. School's out. Kids are happy. Teachers are happier that school's out. Some of us, uh, you look around and say, man, there's a lot of people not here that I usually see in church on Sunday morning where they've gone to grandma's house and uh, on the road and have traveled to go visit with family <clears throat> for Christmas. My parents are coming in this afternoon, and um, we're excited about seeing them. Um, but ready or not, you know, Christmas is coming. Now, if you haven't done your shopping yet, let me just give you a clue from personal experience. Pass by Kmart. Just go on, right on by it, because you may not get waited on served until after Christmas if you get there tomorrow. <laughs> Go online. Uh, we've seen the evidence, however, that Christmas is coming. I guess for at least in September, it seems like they started putting stuff up in the stores and, and the commercials came on seeking to condition our minds into pulling out cash and plastic to a growing number of people in this world, and it grows larger every year. Uh, sadly, the reason for the season is retail sales and stimulating the economy. For the first year, many retail corporations decided to open on Thanksgiving Day. Um, craziness in some regards. And indicative that our society has lost its memory of the meaning of Christmas. So just, it was just a few weeks ago, in uh, I believe it was in Winston-Salem, um, somebody stole a Salvation Army kettle. Um, that contain perhaps fifty dollars in front of a Belk store. And, and, and you know, you think, what in the world um, are people thinking? Um, there are still wars going on in this world. Uh, there is human trafficking happening in this world, even right here in this country. There are crimes, there are acts of terror everywhere. And sad to say the holiday season always brings, More suicides, more suicide attempts, more alcohol-related deaths. Even God's people are being persecuted right now. If you watch the news and you can't find it on most of the, the mainstream media, they don't cover it so much. But in Syria, Christians are being slaughtered by the hundreds and hundreds. Alarming rates of persecution. Our world is a mess in so many ways, isn't it? Yes, for there's these very kinds of wrongs that we need Christmas. We're gonna talk this morning about why Christmas had to happen. Why was it necessary for Christ, Emmanuel, which means God with us? Why was it necessary for him to step down from his throne on high to be born in a barn and laid in a feeding trough for livestock? Why? Well, if you're taking notes this morning, First point is this. Christmas looks back to creation. Why do we have Christmas? You have to go back to creation to understand Christmas. So I want you to go back with me in your minds all the way back to, uh, at least as far as our existence is concerned, to creation. In the first chapter of Genesis, as God spoke the universe into existence, he paused, if you read through that, that account of creation, seven times God Paused and pronounced each part of each aspect of his creation as good. He said, It is good. Seven times. In fact, the last time when he was done, he looked at this world and he looked at the universe that he created. And and the book of Genesis tells us that God said, It is very good. So, you know, God, pardon my. My grammar, but God don't make no junk. You know, it was very, it was perfect the way God made it. His last part of creation, the last aspect of that amazing week was creating humankind, putting us on this earth, Adam and Eve, and putting his own image into humanity, which makes us a step above all of the rest of earth's occupants. When that was done, verse 31 in Genesis, said he saw all that he had made and it was very good. Now, can you imagine with me what it was like, creation, what it was like in those very first days on this planet, a world void of any sort of pollution, None of the animal kingdom was on an endangered list because the good good earth allowed them all to thrive. It was a perfect world. It was beautiful in every single aspect. Creation itself was enough to show our world how much the Almighty cared when he made all this and that he alone is God. Creation did that. All you had to do, and still all you have to do is look at the sunrise in the morning and the sunset in the evening, and you've got to come to the conclusion that didn't happen by itself. But something adverse would take place that ruined perfection, turning God's masterpiece into much less. I want you to fast forward with me to these words of Paul to the Roman church in Romans chapter one as he described what happened after that? He said, they, mankind, the human race, exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served something created instead of the creator who's blessed forever. They walked away from God, created their own gods that they found on this earth, they animals in the stars. And then you can fast forward again, way forward this time, it's one of the last recorded phrases uttered by Jesus. John, writing the Revelation in Revelation 25, quotes Jesus as saying, "Look, I'm making everything new." Now, when that's not now. Uh, that's coming later sometime after his second coming, but it tells us this: his plan is to recreate what's been broken that's God's plan for this this world to recreate what's been broken. That day's yet to come. Well, how does Christmas fit in there? Christmas was a necessary event that had to happen in recreating the earth and in getting what has been broken back to perfection. Secondly, then you note somehow perfection wasn't good enough, however. Perfection was not Good enough. In the second chapter of Genesis, we move out of the first chapter in the creation. We move into the second chapter. And we're given more information about the habitat that God pre- provided for the man and the woman who first dwelt here. And we're told that from the dust of the ground, God created Adam. The word Adam, the Hebrew word, means man. So, ladies, look at the man next to you. If there's a man next to you, or look at the one in front of you or behind you but just realize he's nothing but dirt, all right? Um, the Bible tells me so. <laughs> now you understand guys a little bit better, all right? You understand little little boys, you know, and the dirt and the mud and all that. Guy took, took a handful of dust from the ground and made Adam out of that. <clears throat> so... It really isn't surprising, shouldn't be surprising, that when we die, our bodies decay after death and they return to dust again. But there was Adam. The By the way, even though he was made from dust, ladies, he was the perfect man. In every way, God gives him a list of some tasks. You, you know, I don't want you to be bored, so I'm going to give you some things to do. Y- your job Adam is to manage all this creation, to look after it, to take care of it. And so I want you to go around and I want you to name all the animals. And he gives them these jobs to do and in the garden there. But without, still Adam was without someone with whom he could share life. He was, human speaking, he was alone. And so, and God knew that Adam would be lonely. It didn't surprise God at all. He just wanted Adam, I believe, to experience being alone so that he would have, Adam would have a greater appreciation and love for the partner God then provided him. So not from the dust, but from a rib in Adam's side, God created woman, another human like him but different. And they were put together to complement one another. They were told by God, now get busy populating the earth with offspring. Theirs was a perfect environment in Eden, and all of their needs, every single one of their needs was met. And you can let your imagination run wild and come to the conclusion, Adam and Eve had it good. It was paradise. Imagine living in a place where you're surrounded with every kind of fruit and vegetable to eat, and it's all perfect. The climate was perfect. It must have been perfect because, you know, we're told Adam and Eve in the beginning existed in nakedness. So I'm thinking probably the climate was about like it is today here in Nags Head. No, don't take your clothes off. But it was about like it is today. Let's not. But, you know, you know, maybe 76 degrees in the height of the day. And those of us who have lived out west know what I'm about to say. No humidity a gentle breeze in the day and then the temperature drops all the way down to about 72 at night. That that would be about right, I would think. They didn't have to work for anything other than just reaching down or reaching up to gather their meals. You you would think at least I do that in such a perfect, sufficient, idyllic place they would have been satisfied. <laughs> this is a good life. And they didn't have anything else to compare it to, did they? But it was a good life. It couldn't have been any better. I try to tell myself that. But God, in his wisdom, God put attention there in the garden. Because there in the center of the garden was a fruit tree designed, and in it God designed a way to test Adam and Eve's love for him. Genesis 2, verses 16 and 17 tells us, and the Lord God commanded the man, you're free to eat from any tree of the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for on that day you eat from it, you will certainly die. God said, see that one tree there? Adam and Eve, that one there? It's off limits. Everything else in the garden is yours, but from that one tree, if you eat from it, Everything changes immediately. Death comes. Paradise is trashed. It's lost. When I was a little boy, I probably, because I can remember when and where this happened, I'm guessing I was four years old, maybe five. I remember my mom told me, don't play with matches we had matches around the house my dad was a smoker uh, living in southeastern north carolina we had hurricanes so we had candles you know so we, there were matches uh, back in those days and and i know what some of you young people yes we did have electricity but we also had matches mom said don't rick don't play with matches but you know what i did Mom said, don't go. there. I knew where the matches were. They were in a closet, linen closet. That's where they kept these matches. Don't play with the matches. You know what I did. When Mom wasn't looking, I did the same thing you would have done, and you probably did the same kinds of things. But I went to the closet, and I took out a pack of matches, and I pulled out a match, and just like I'd seen my dad do, I struck the match, and I held it and watched it burn down until it hit my finger. And then I screamed, and, and, and mom heard me scream, came running to find out what was going on. She could smell the smoke. And I was crying because there was a blister rising up on this finger. I got burned. I should have listened to mom. But you know, I have this, you do too, this rebellious human spirit, here I am 50 years later, more than that, 50, almost 55 years later, I guess, and I can still remember that happening. You know what? I've never allowed happen the rest of my life. I've never been burned by a match since, you know? I haven't. I know what that match can do. But I still remember what happens when my curiosity got the best of me and I didn't stay within the boundaries that were set for me. God established some limits and some boundaries for Adam and Eve, not because God was a killjoy. My mom didn't tell me don't play with matches because she didn't want me to have any fun. She didn't want me to get burned. She didn't want me to burn down the house. That's why. He set some limits, and God set limits for Adam and Eve, not because he was a killjoy. He set those limits because he loved them. But the day would come when they would exchange that love and the life they had. They would exchange all of that paradise for a momentary pleasure. That's why Christmas had to happen. Next point for you is why Christmas, because everything's broken. All of us at some time have turned on a TV mystery or a movie and, and, and maybe we didn't catch it at the beginning. You know, it's at the beginning of those kind of shows where they kind of introduce the plot and you kind of know from the rest of the show, here's what they're trying to figure out. But if you don't get the beginning, you might come in 15 minutes later and even if it's only an hour show, you're just trying to make your mind work for you, What are they doing and why are they doing this and what happened here I'll do that sometimes, come in on the middle of a show that Gail might be watching and walk in in the middle of a drama. And during the commercial, I'll ask, okay, real quickly, what's this all about? Tell me what's happened here. And she, if she's in a good mood that evening, she'll try to explain to me what, what during the commercial break, what's happened thus far. If she's not, it's just kind of like, you should have been here. And... Uh, <laughs> try to tell me what's going on so that I can grasp what's taking place now even though christmas is about a birth in many ways the ushering in of uh, of something new it's far 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 from the beginning of the story in fact it's closer to the end of the story really time wise And if you've never read or understood the third chapter of Genesis, way back at the beginning, you can, I don't believe, ever fully grasp or understand the need for Bethlehem's babe. Maybe it's for this reason that Christmas truly has become a most misunderstood celebration. I saw on the news the other day where some school, I can't remember where it was, but they had their, their school Christmas program. They probably called it winter holiday something or other. But they sang the song we just sang a few moments ago, Silent Night. But in the singing of the song Silent Night in the end of the chorus, they took out, in each the verse, they took out the words Christ the Savior is born. And they just inserted and repeated the words sleep in heavenly peace. So it was a song about a baby, you know. But they took out Christ's and it's no surprised that that's happening because people don't understand Genesis 1, 2, and 3. The plea of the familiar children's Christmas song, be good for goodness sake, is one example of that misunderstanding because it proposes the impossible. We can't be good for goodness sake because we're broken By nature, we're broken. The solution is not to try to be good. The solution for what's broken is to be fixed by the maker. So your next point is that death was never intended for mankind. Life was to be enjoyed. Adam and Eve were to spend their entire lives, which would still be lasting today. You think about that with me. You never eat from the tree, you never die. If they'd never eaten from the tree, they'd be hanging out. Their entire life was to be spent in fellowship with God and with one another. They were, to, they were intended by God to last forever on a perfect earth. And I don't know, the Bible doesn't tell us, doesn't fill in a lot of the details, but I don't know if Adam and Eve were actually tempted to cross that line and eat the tree's fruit prior to Genesis 3. And I don't know, because I wasn't there, how difficult the temptation was. We're not told. And neither are we told how far along into their lives it was when the day of infamy finally came. Was it the second day? Was it the third day? Was it a year, two years later? We don't know. But no doubt the restriction and the warning that God gave were a daily remembrance. There in the middle of the garden was that tree, and they could see it probably every day, a remembrance that God had said to us, don't eat from that tree. And that warning, that remembrance, probably for some time kept them from falling, that is, until that one fateful day that we read about in the third chapter. Satan, the deposed worship leader of heaven, had led a rebellion of angels against God and had been cast down to the earth, and it then became his goal to foil and spoil what God had done. And God created a being in man and woman with an ability to choose, and Satan knew that. So the Genesis 3 story is of how Eve and then Adam failed, going from perfection to brokenness, and it's not a pretty story when you realize that not only was all lost from Adam for Adam and Eve all was lost for all of their descendants and that's us some have commented that the third chapter of Genesis is the most theologically important chapter in all the Bible that you can find the root of every doctrine that we believe as Christians in Genesis chapter 3. That's an interesting statement. The impact of that fall, Adam and Eve becoming sinners by choice, has infected every human being born since then but one. We all, here's the, here's the, here's the deal, we all start dying the moment that we're born. And that's horrible news. The moment we're born, we begin to die. And that's why Christmas is indeed the total opposite of what happened in in that third chapter. That's why Christmas is supposed to be merry because Christmas brings the good news that God didn't give up on his creation. That God alone has the fix to our brokenness. And so, in your notes, the greatest gift was given by God. You know the story, Adam and Eve ate the fruit, discovered they were naked. They didn't know that before. They tried to cover their nakedness with fig leaves. But apart from the life of the tree from which they were, uh, they were plucked, the, the fig leaves at best could only give temporary covering. And really their attempts to hide their sin from God were silly God, you're trying to hide something from God. And, you know, it's silly, but really, let's be honest. We have, ever since then, we tried to hide our sin from God. We tried to come up with new ways to make ourselves acceptable to him. But nothing that we have come up with has removed the taint of human depravity. But God had a plan. It didn't end with Genesis 3. God didn't give up. The scripture tells us that even before the foundations of the earth were created, God knew how to fix broken people. After all, he created us. His plan was both simple yet so difficult for him at the same time. It was simple for him. I know how to fix this, but it wasn't easy. In fact, his plan would prove to be offensive to humanity because we like to think we can fix ourselves. You need some help? No, I'm good. Anything I can do for you? No, I'm all right. But we cannot fix ourselves. But God can. And throughout the Old Testament, God promised the one who would provide us the way back to a relationship with him. He's called by many names in the Old Testament, given we sang some of them this morning, wonderful He's given many t- names, many titles in the prophecies. And so many of the stories of God's deliverance to Israel were to point them to his plan for all of mankind. It wasn't just for Israel, it was for everyone. The law he gave to Israel through Moses was not designed to be a way to make them perfect, to remove their sin. They could never do that. The law was given the Ten Commandments and so forth. We're given to make clear to them, you have sinned. Here's what sin is. Yeah, you've done that. Through the prophets he foretold of Bethlehem, of Messiah, of Emmanuel, of a virgin birth, that he would be a descendant of David. There's so many details that were given of the future Savior to let them know all is not lost. God still has a plan. Galatians 4.4 tells us when the right time came along, God came in human form to become, listen to what God did, to become the second Adam. If you will, he would be born into poverty, not in a palace, he wasn't placed in paradise. He would live life with all of its temptations. Hebrews chapter four verse fifteen tells us that that he would be tempted in every way like we are, yet he would not sin. And like Adam, Jesus had no innate nature to sin, because just like Adam, Jesus had no human father. But unlike Adam, through his sinless life, he would show, here's what God's intent was from creation. More importantly, because of his unique sinlessness, Jesus was alone Of all people ever born, before, and since, he was alone uniquely qualified to pay the penalty for Adam's and by inheritance our sin. And as our substitute, he would be crucified. The Bible says the sinless for the sinful, the just for the unjust, that you and I might again have a relationship with the God who created and loves us, just as paradise was lost when Adam and Eve believed the lie and they ate the fruit that hung from a tree, paradise for your soul and for mine can be restored by a Savior who hung from a cross. That baby in the manger. I don't know about you, but Gail, how many nativity sets do we have around our house? How many do you own? It's like every time we go to another place, on a trip, especially if it's another culture, we've got to buy a nativity scene from that culture. So we have Navajo Indian nativity sets, you know. We have nativity sets from the Caribbean. We have Veggie tales nativity sets, you know. We have, we have them all. Gail has one that she grew up with that was her family's, and I've never seen one like it. because in, And this has been the one that we've had ever since we were married. And it goes up every year, and there is a turkey in that nativity scene. <laughs> I guess he's rejoicing that he made it through Thanksgiving. I'm not sure <laughs> why he was there. <laughs> the baby in the manger was far more than a wonderful story. I, I love it. There, the, the church we live down the street from... Kitty Hawk Methodist Church, and they sit on the corner there, and every year they put an outdoor nativity scene, you know, with um, figurines that they have there and straw and some animals, and they have a manger, and they have a, uh, a doll of some kind that represents the baby Jesus. But my little grandkids, when they come to visit, or if we go for a walk down the street, they want to go down to the manger. As they come in to, to a grandmommy and grandpa's house, they want to stop at the corner and see the baby Jesus. But it's more than a story about a baby in a manger. The angels announced his birth to the shepherds that night because this was, he was the long-awaited answer to the ultimate need for the human heart that night. This night is born to you a savior, one who can save. Most amazing aspect of God's plan is that the salvation from sin that Jesus came to provide is offered freely to all who believe in him. Free. Indeed, the Christ of Christmas is the greatest gift ever. Let me ask you to bow your heads with me for a moment. Perhaps Perhaps you know that you're broken and you're seeking some way to change that. And maybe you've tried religion but found out it's empty. And maybe you've tried escape through drugs or alcohol, but when you've come down to it, the brokenness every day is still staring you in the face. Maybe you've sought to fix what's broken in your life through relationships but found that they can't fix it. Maybe you've tried really, really hard to live a moral life only to realize the temptations are still everywhere and like it or not, you sometimes stumble. The only fix is Jesus Christ becoming your Savior because only he can forgive all of What's broken, all of your sin. Only He can take away the penalty of death and give you eternal life. And that and so much more He offers to you if you'll only stop trusting those other things and trust Him alone. So, here on the Sunday before Christmas, the question is this If right now you know you're broken, You'd like to be fixed so that you will know that when you die, you'll enter paradise and live forever in perfection so that you'll have Emmanuel, God with us. God living within you to help you on the journey. Let me encourage you right now, just simply from your heart to say to God, as best I know how, I'm believing right now that you gave your son to be my Savior. And right here, right now, I receive him by faith. Fix me, Lord, for I'm broken. Heavenly Father, there may be some here today that perhaps they've never heard this story. They've always known about Jesus and they've always known about the baby in the manger. <clears throat> but maybe they never really understood why. But this morning, maybe your spirit has opened a heart to understand and brought new birth into that life as he or she has in faith received your fix, received your son, received forgiveness of sins through him and his death on the cross, a new life through the resurrection from the dead. I pray, Father, that we would understand why this day is so, so very important, why it's not just another day, why we need to teach our children and our grandkids why Christmas If you just reached out for the first time in your life and you put your entire eternal life in Christ's hands, what I want you to do, in a moment the band's going to close us out with a couple songs. Why they do, I want you to take out a communication card that are in the backs of the chairs and fill it out and on the back, check off the box that says you're receiving Christ as your Savior and then when we're done here this morning, I'm going to, Be at the Welcome Center, and I just want you to come up to me and say, look, this morning I got fixed. I put my faith in Christ. I just want to rejoice with you. I hope to see you uh, Christmas Eve, 5:30 uh, or seven. I hope not to see you next Sunday. And please don't call me and say, "Rick, there's nobody at church." And I'll say,
1: rapture.
0: and really <laughs> And really mess with your mind, so don't do that. If you're a guest, stop and see me. if you've got a card that made a decision for Christ today, please. I'll be right out there, and I'd love to talk with you. Let's go to the Lord, shall we? Thank you. God, that you are with us, that you gave your son, Jesus, who would be called Emmanuel, which means God is with us. He is here with us. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. When Jesus ascended, soon after he came down, and now he lives within us to take us through this journey, I thank you, Father, that even though everything is broken, it can all be fixed simply and freely because you gave your son. And all you require of us is to believe. So we thank you for faith. Thank you for the new birth. Thank you for the second Adam. Thank you that his intention is to recreate this planet and make it perfect again. We look forward, God, to that day. And until that day, may we represent you well on this earth with whatever time that we have. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. God bless you. This has been a presentation of Nags Church, reaching people to discover life in Christ. Visit us on the internet at nagsheadchurch.org.